So, so we're in a sermon series in, uh, in Matthew, and uh, we're going to continue um, that sermon series. So you're welcome to, uh, to take your Bible and uh, go to uh, chapter 20, 24. Today we'll go through um, uh, 1551. Uh, and just uh, just setting it up, uh, Jesus is kind of in the middle. Uh, I've kind of said if I had uh, a big brain to <laughs> comprehend everything, I, I would have done five, three chapters, but my brain is not that big. <laughs> so we'll do little parts at a time. Um, so we're kind of in this middle, middle of Jesus talking about what's going to happen. Uh, and uh, Jesus has has said that Jerusalem will be uh, destroyed, and all the things of man would kind of come uh, tumbling down. The disciples were looking at Jesus. Look at these beautiful buildings, and Jesus was like, "All these buildings are going to be torn apart." And then he starts giving them uh, warnings and encouragements. He says, like. Don't be led astray. Many people will say that they are me. Uh, don't believe them. Because when I come, it will be no doubt. Um, then he says that wars will happen. Uh, rumors of war. Famines. Natural disasters will come. Um, and that is just the beginning of birth pains. Uh, so we'll take some time. He even says that they will be persecuted. Uh, they will deli- be delivered and deliver one another up. They will be hated by many people. Uh, <coughs> and they will he, he warns them, be careful that your love will not grow cold because you will see so much lawlessness. And don't fall away, but, but the c- encouragement is that the one who endures will be saved. Before all that would happen, all ethnic groups will hear of the good news of the gospel. So although Jesus is warning them, forewarning them about all these things happening, he will still say that there's hope. So we will read together from uh, from 15... Um, if you can just uh, shift up there you can help then I can uh, thank you so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place let the reader understand then let those who are in Judah flee to the mountains that the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house, in his house, and let the one who is in the field not return back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be a great tribulation, such ha- as has not been from the beginning or of the world until now, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. 
but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they, if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpus is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as it, br as it branches becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as when the days of Noah, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And when they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be taken, be in the field, one be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding on one mill and one will be taken and one be left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But you know this, that if the master of the house has known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Whom then is faithful and wise servant? Whom is his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master delayed, and, I, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
So Jesus is continuing to speak to his disciples and the people that are around him about what is the signs and what are the things. And so <coughs> I guess like for me, these um, verses about not sleeping when I was a non-believer and I, was, I, I just didn't understand. It's like, so I'm supposed to be awake until Jesus comes back. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was uh, confused. <laughs> I was like, I cannot stay awake that long. <laughs> Um, but that's not really what Jesus is asking us to do. It's not about being uh, physically awake all the time. It's about being spiritually awake all the time. That's why I called the message, stay awake. But we go right off the bat, right off the beginning, if you just uh, push back to the beginning of the, <laughs> the beginning slide, we go right back to, to, to Jesus referencing Daniel uh, from Daniel 9, the, the latter part of Daniel 9, where there's some, something, and this, this is where Christians b are united on many things. What happens in end times, there is at least four main views of what happens. Uh, and one of them is this thing. So uh, when Jesus speaks, everything's future. Uh, but depending on which kind of eschatology you have, you have a different opinion on who this abomination of desolation is and when that happened. Some believe it has happened. Some believe it will happen. Um, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to have you study and figure out what you believe. Because I believe this is one of the things that you need not to hear what I believe and just say, I'll believe what he believes. No, you need to study what you believe about this. So I'm not going to give you the answers. I'm going to say, it was Jesus, we're going to follow through and we're going to talk about what Jesus says. We're not going to guess who they are or what nation it is or something like that. We will, we will study about that. What Jesus does is he says, Daniel talks about someone that's going to come stand in the temple. Now, I was reading Daniel 9. Daniel 9, the beginning of Daniel 9, is an amazingly beautiful prayer of repentance by Daniel. Daniel comes on behalf of himself and his whole country and says all the things that they have done wrong pleading for God's mercy, pleading that God will stop punishing them. Because where is Daniel? Daniel is in Babylon. God has left the temple. He left the temple. He let his people be destroyed and taken into captivity. But Daniel is pleading for the Lord to have mercy on them, that they will be able to return. Jesus is now standing at a rebuilt temple. It's even been, been made lots of more buildings by Herod. And like we talked about earlier, maybe one of the biggest, biggest, um, biggest um, buildings in the world this time is in the temple complex. So it's easy for the disciples to get 
their eyes on those buildings and say like, wow. And Jesus is gonna say, you know, Daniel, he was praying a prayer of repentance so that God would bring back his people. But then he talks about, well, this, pers- this abomination will be standing in the temple and the temple will be destroyed again. We know that the temple does get destroyed or did get destroyed in 70 AD. So that could be one of the things. Some other people would say that the temple is going to be rebuilt and will be destroyed again. But what is it that Jesus is asking? He says, flee. When you see this happen, flee. Don't even go down from your housetop and get things. Just flee. Run from the housetop. Don't go back if you're in the field to take your cloak. Just run away when these things happen. I just think it's very interesting to see that Daniel has just prayed this prayer of repentance. Could this also be a call for the people that in those days you would plead with God to have mercy? If you take the next slide. The one thing in Daniel's prayer is very interesting because at the end of Daniel's prayer, Gabriel shows up, the messenger that talks also to other people in the Bible. And he says, "Uh, Hello, Daniel. I came as soon as you started praying. And he says to Daniel, Daniel, you are greatly loved. And then maybe we would think, hey, I'm greatly loved, so no, th- no bad things will happen in my time. Y- yeah, but that's not exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> no, Daniel comes and he, he assures Daniel that he's greatly loved by God. And then he starts giving this prophecy about what's going to happen and that judgment will come. But not only judgment, because also in Daniel there's going to be this great plan God has. There's going to be the Son of Man, the title that Jesus talks about himself. The Son of Man will come and atone for sin and bring everlasting righteousness. Wow, that's a great promise. So even as Jesus is bringing these words of warning and of... of um, of caution, don't be led astray, stay awake, uh, don't fall asleep. But Jesus, as long as, as, along with Daniel, does say that God is judging and judgment is coming. So run. Flee away. Like in Noah's time, which Jesus later will reference, Noah was the only one in his family where God found grace on him. The rest didn't want to listen to God. They carried on with their own lives until the flood came. But we see like Noah and we see with Daniel that God has showed his love for his people. That he prepared 
preserve his people. And we were reminded by John 3.16 that God so loved the world. But the judgment still seemed to be coming. But in that, God preserves his people that have found grace and favor. Could it be that they are asked to be brave for mercy, like Daniel, that it won't be happen on a Sabbath day or in the winter? But God shows mercy, because like in the last sign, but the, for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So even in God's judgment, right and good judgment of people who have rejected him, he still provides for the people he has elected and chosen, even from the world who can. So there can be many fights and quarrels about what the elect means and who was elect and those things. I don't believe that was ever the point. The point of election is to write to the people who are persecuted to hold on to the promises of God because God is good even though he judges. So it's an encouragement to people to hold on, to stay awake and believe that if God has chosen and loved me from before the world began, then he will also bring me through whatever I am going through. And that would help people endure. It also points to the resurrection and the consummation of all things when Jesus comes back as God has purposed. Then if we go to the next slide in 23, it's yet another warning like I talked about last time. Like who would believe somebody if they said that they were the Christ? But apparently plenty of people say that they are Christ. Jesus says don't believe any of them. And don't believe if they say Jesus is over there or Jesus is over there. Don't believe because you will know without a doubt when I come. And he even says here, even if people, even if people um, uh, make great, size, great signs and wonders to lead people astray, lead even the <laughs> elect astray, then don't, don't listen to them. And I was thinking about, oh, this is, this is, this is, this is some, this is some uh, echoes of what happens earlier. Because we see the magicians in e Egypt. Remember, if you remember the ten plagues, the, the magicians of, e e of Egypt, they are able to make signs. They're able to make water into blood. We see later in other parts uh, of the New T Old Testament, Moses warning them, don't believe somebody who says that they had a dream that we should worship another god. Don't believe the ones who do signs to draw you away from God. Don't believe those. God is testing you to see whether you are faithful. So don't even, don't believe the people that say that they are Christ, even if they make signs and different things, because they're trying to draw you away from God. Yes, that's a good one. Um... Yes. <laughs> so this person says, this is a, a commentary on two things where, where people said that Jesus came back 
And so the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Je Jesus came back in 1921 and only received him and only revealed himself to some people in the Watchtower Society. In the 1800s, uh, Joseph Smith, the star of the Mormonism, said uh, that he had experienced Jesus and he gave him things. Well, we know from what Jesus says that this is false. Because it will be obvious for everyone when Jesus comes back. It will not be a secret. But as lightning shines over the um, as lightning comes from the east to the west all people would know and another verse is like all people will bow their knees to Jesus and then we have this passage where I had to have some help uh, the passage uh, that's 29 through uh, 31 um, this is <laughs> I don't know. How many of you are old enough to know what CDs are? You know what CDs are? Okay, so maybe that's not a very good... <laughs> maybe that's not the best illustration. Okay. Spotify. Yes, Spotify. Okay. So imagine you're making a playlist of all your best songs. So in the old days, it was, it was a CD compila compilation, <laughs> it was called, of the best hits. So what's the, what seems to be happening here is that Jesus has a compilation of uh, greatest prophecies from the Old Testament. He uh, quotes from Isaiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Zechariah, Joel, and he does that in three, three verses. So well somebody said that, yeah, it's like... Um, it's not the greatest hits, but he, he does uh, make a compilation of verses where he, he draws out all these things. And so from I, uh, Isaiah, Daniel, Zechariah, and Joel, it's all signs of what will happen and signs of judgment. But, as you can see, it's not just judgment. Because the sign of the son of, son of Man will come. And then you will have the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great joy. And the Son of Man, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And he will gather his elect from all the four winds. So we see like it looks like the whole of creation is getting torn apart. We see some of those things in Jesus' death maybe. And the signs of Joel that... Peter talks about in, in his first sermon. But it looks like the whole creation is coming apart. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the Son of Man, comes with great power to gather his elect. All this from all the prophecies who were looking for that deliverer. As we, now I can't remember who, but... Jesus says to his disciples at some po point, you're, you're seeing things that prophets were longing to see. You're seeing this being fulfilled. So Jesus in a compilation of verses from, from the Old Testament says, this is judgment. This is creation 
coming apart, the Son of Man coming to save and to gather in His people. So that's where there's so much great hope that even in judgment, God has made a plan that even at the trumpet's call, which sometimes was for war or for worship or for judgment, that God would gather his elect from all the four winds. Again, this verse is also just underscoring what Hebrews also talks about, that Jesus is so much greater than the angels. It's his angels. He commands them. He sends them out. No need to worship any angels. Jesus is way above those. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of judgment in what Jesus is saying, but there's hope in Christ. All people will, of the elect will be gathered. Then I found it kind of ironic and kind of interesting in 32 that Jesus again uses a fig tree <laughs> which like at the beginning of the week he is cursed and it just wither, wi- withered and he says like look at the tree when the branches become uh, soft then you can see that the son of man is close he's near to the gate and you can see the great encouragement is that even though all those things, all these kind of things are going to happen, all this is going to happen, this, all these will happen, this will happen, he's so close, all things will happen in this generation. And then he comes to the great hope verse, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus is the only savior of the world. And so when people are saying, the earth is doomed, it was like, Jesus is the Savior of the world. And he said that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words won't. So there's so much great hope that even though we hear all this judgment language, in all of it, God is faithful to preserve his elect, and his words will last forever. Even what creation seems to be passing away, but God's words don't pass away that's a great encouragement for us but then you might be asking Jesus but you (laughs) but you've not said when you're coming back (laughs) so if you take the next slide uh, you warned us you asked us to endure you asked that these signs will happen but you have not said the date you have not said I'm coming back and da 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 well, the explanation comes is because Jesus says, only the Father knows. No one else knows. When the disciples in Acts ask when it's going to happen, Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's not for you to know. And then he uses this illustration of Noah, is that God is calling people to repent and come to him, to follow him. That's the invitation. All the signs will happen, but people will continue to live their normal lives just as they did in the time of Noah. You can say the ark is a, is a picture of Christ, the one who preserves Noah and his family. 
But all the other people, they were swept away. Jesus uses that picture of when the Son of Man comes away, the people will be swept away. Then Jesus goes in and talks about the staying awake part. He really encouraged them. Now he's saying, he's setting these things up. Stay awake. So you can take the next slide. Stay awake because you don't know when I'm coming. That, that was the thing. I'm like, <laughs> but I can't stay. I mean, I need eight hours of sleep or something. I need to, <laughs> you know, I need to <laughs> have some rest. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about all the things that can lead us to fall asleep. It's about spiritually not falling asleep, not being lulled to sleep by the world, not being lulled to sleep by riches or fame or greed, or all the things that the Pharisees were so much about. Not being being the opposite of poor in spirit and needy, saying, I am, can do it myself. A lot of these things that Jesus is teaching now and was condemning the Pharisees for, if we go back to what's called the Beatitude and the Sermon of the Mount, this is what he's asking us to do, even in this time. Because if we don't, we might fall asleep and we might act like the wicked servant does. Oh, the master's not coming. Oh, I don't have to treat him well, the other servant. I can get drunk and beat the other servant up. But Jesus is not saying that. He says, stay awake, because you don't know when he's coming. And this is, of course, not like, <laughs> this is not Jesus' permission for us to like act us like crazy at some times. Notice there's a call to holiness and righteousness all the time to hold on to Him, to live for Him and not start living for the other things that would have us fall asleep. I listened to a great sermon about this falling asleep stuff. I can, I can reference this to you, but there's so many things in life that would have us fall asleep. Worries, concerns, the same things that kills the seed in the ground that's sown, those things would want to put you to sleep and not make you aware that Jesus is there. And your mission and true life is to live in Him. So stay awake. The other sign is that our love would be cold towards one another. Our love will be cold uh, towards God because we don't think that He is being just because we see so much unlawlessness and sin. Instead, Jesus calls us to be, be the servant that will be blessed when His Master comes and sees that He does what He was asked to do, that He was a faithful servant. So don't be put to sleep, put 
slip. Don't be put to sleep by the world, the flesh and the devil that tries to lure you into some kind of weird state of not really living but just kind of coasting along. Live as Jesus is actually near. That is the, what I, I said a few times, that's what Peter, Paul, and other writers of the Old Testament Scriptures says, He is near. And Peter has to explain that, well, you know, the people mocking us have said now many years have passed, <laughs> but we've been saying, He is close. And one thing I can promise, He has never been closer than today. So the encouragement is that live lives where we think he's near. What does that mean for my life? Well, we talked a little bit about it. It's that not as a burden, but as opportunity. When you get opportunity to pray for people, pray for people. When you get opportunity to talk to people, talk to people. As the Lord leads you. We are not guaranteed. Uh, we don't know our days. We don't know their days. We don't know Jesus' days or when he's coming back. So let us take up the opportunities that we get to witness with grace, mercy, joy, and salt. Judgment is certain to come. It is confusing to me when people say, how can God judge? I mean, how can he not? all the horrible things we've seen just in our generation, all the terrible things we, we read in the news, and we, how can people say, if God is good, how can he judge? How can he not? The evil, the depravity of man. If God is good, he must judge. But how can a good God, a good God would have to judge our evil? Why is he, he wouldn't be good. Now God is also so good that he loved the world, as we talked about. He makes a way for us not to be judged. And I think it's James that talks about perfect love cast out fear. Because if we are in Christ, we are not going to be judged. Because on the cross... Jesus took our judgment and instead in his rising we get his righteousness so we can stand with God in Jesus' righteousness. So if we are, if we are God's people we look forward with great joy that Jesus is going to return and we will live like he's coming back soon. You know, the persecuted church has always said man Manatha, come back. We who are not persecuted are like, well, you can wait a little bit. <laughs> but when we're persecuted, we're like, come back. I'm a little bit like, hey, can you wait a little bit? Because maybe we can gather some more people. <laughs> but the good thing is that God is good and he will judge. Because he is a good God. And things will be made right. And he's already provided. If people would give their lives to Jesus, they are not going to be condemned. But if they don't, the verses in the end will be true. If people live lives to the deathbed, drinking and ruining other people's lives by all sorts of depravity, 
they will be judged. And Jesus has talked about it more than anyone pointing out to the garbage dump full of fire saying, that's what it's going to be like. But there's a better way. That's the good hope we have for all people. Like we said in the beginning, we are asking that people reconcile to God so they won't be judged, but would have Jesus save them from judgment so they can experience that first commandment of love of the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And no matter how much I talk about hell, people aren't going to be scared into heaven. They have to experience that God is good and He has provided for us. So stay awake. We can be blessed or cursed. Jesus says, you are blessed when you're poor in spirit. You're blessed when you know you need me. We have chosen, if we are in Jesus, we have chosen a master who has looked upon us with grace and mercy because we rebelled against God, but he has provided for us in Jesus that we can have mercy. So let us, like Daniel, be honest about it and be like, Lord, we need your mercy. We thank you for your mercy in Jesus Christ. We can say with Daniel, we are greatly loved by God because we can see it in him sending his son. Amen. Now, Heavenly Father, you are an amazing, great God. You are a good God, so therefore you judge. You are an amazing God, so therefore you have provided for us in Jesus that we don't need, that we don't get what we deserve, but we can get mercy in you. Lord, I thank you that although you're a creator of heaven and earth and we rebel against you, and sin against you and still Lord living for our own sin sometimes being so consumed with ourselves well, I just ask that you take this repentance and take it away from us and help us to live this life where we know that you are good and we can see that we are loved in who you are and therefore we want to live uh, for you knowing that that is true life and so I ask for all of us here and the people watching and listening later, Lord, may you transform our hearts and minds to really wake us up to see who you are, that we never be the same again. We never return. Again, we have a new meeting with you of, of, of great love for who you are. And Lord, I ask for boldness and courage to live this out with the people close to us at school, at work, family, friends. Give us that. Help us to be strong and courageous, as you said to Joshua. You have us here for a reason, to show who you are and that people might be reconciled to you. Bless us, encourage us, We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.